G'day everyone, welcome back to the Cret Hayes Michael Porter Jr. podcast. Today we're talking Eastern Conference power rankings and where we think the teams will finish up. All that coming up right after this. James catches, puts up the three, long go, rebound, box, back out to Allen, his three-pointer, Right, how are you on, boys? Pretty good, mate. Haven't done heaps today. What about you? Yeah, not too much air, just work and nothing else really. What about you, Kurt? Oh, uh, yeah, not too much. Just exam in the morning and get a little bit of exercise in before lockdown is officially over. Can't wait. Yeah, pretty excited. But yeah, so sounded like an exciting Monday for all of us. About as good as they can get. Yeah. A shit day. Shocking day. But Good good news is that on Wednesday, NBA is back. Yeah, so, pretty excited. Get excited. Not used to the long off season after last year's like one month off season. Yeah, it feels like forever since the finals. Yeah, it's good. I'm totally as to watch the Cavs get bounced by Grizzlies on Thursday. So I reckon you're a chance. Grizzlies <laughs> like a dollar twenty, I think. Yeah, I don't, sure yeah, I think we're like a better chance than I don't think. I think the main reason we're a chance is because I don't think the Grizzlies are like that good that they're just yeah. gonna pump us. But yeah, you know, we'll see we go against the Kings. Yeah. Okay. okay, so on today's episode, we're kind of following it off from episode two, only this time we're working through the East. So we're going to do a draft of the East, and we'll keep the same order as last time, which was Doe, myself, and then Nug. Okay. So, Doe, do you want to spin it off? Yeah, sure. So, first up, I um, have at the top of the East, I have the Nets. Um, pretty much, um, I think the Nets were like they probably were the best team in the East last year, even though the Bucks got out of the East. They were KD's big toe being half an inch shorter away from um, knocking the Bucks out. And also, they did that with Harden playing with it was like a grade two or grade three hamstring tear. Mm. Kyrie he probably won't be playing this year, but he wasn't there either. So they nearly beat the Bucks, who were full strength while they are oh, minus Steven Chenzo, while they um were beaten down themselves. And I think they've definitely improved over the offseason. I think at first when I saw they lost lost Jeff Gray, and I thought it was like a pretty big loss. But then I looked at the stats, um, and he was injured during the playoffs, but in he played six playoff games, and in five of those games, he had less than eight points. So his impact, like in the playoffs, was nothing. He had one twenty-five point game, which he um, which was massive. But apart from that, he wasn't that big a loss for them. Whereas I think Millsap coming in, who will pretty much sort of fill that void. I think Millsap is he's less likely to go for twenty-five and green is, but he's a lot more likely to be a consistent presence um, yeah. for that role i'd really like um bruce brown he's my boy as well i love bruce brown <laughs> friend of the show massive friend of the show i might get bruce brown tattoo one day <laughs> but he um in total rebound percent total rebound percentage which is just pretty much measuring the amount of rebounds you have compared to everyone else on the court at the same time he was third among non-big men um and he's like six five or something so 
he has like logging minutes at the center last year. He can do it everything. I think they just have really good versatility. Um, and yeah, what do you guys reckon? Uh, yeah, That's I've got good. him at um, number one as well. The thing that I really like about the Nets is obviously they're like they're very top heavy, but at the same time they're deeper than most of the teams under them as well. And even when you look at like their last couple of players on the roster, you've got like Javon Carter. Um, DeAndre Bembry, who they can all come in and play like significant minutes. They know you can't like if you throw them in the game, they're not going to lose the game for you. Um, yeah. And I think like for his first year, Steve Nash was incredible. Just the stuff he did mm. um, in terms of versatility and changing the game reminds me like heaps of the early Warriors when no one had seen yeah, that sort yeah. of stuff. Um, and I think we'll see a bunch more of it this year. Yeah, no, I'm definitely real high on the Nets as well. Um, Obviously, best offense in the league, without question. Um, the only slight they obviously have is like their defense, but I don't know. It's like so the Bucks sort of proved that like defense, and in the Lakers last year, defense wins championships, and it's sort of, sort of been like a mantra for a lot of teams coming through the league. But for the Nets, it's just like their offense is just so good that you almost don't need a good defense. We have just that many people that can kill you. And then adding like Mills last year is nuts because like I think there's only. I think there's only four players in the last five seasons that shot over 40% on at least 200 catch-and-shoot threes, and Mills was one of them, and Harris did it in the last four seasons as well. So both just knocked down for when she was on teams, great. And then even for the defensive thing, that like the slowest team on defense last year with pace, and then there was second in on-ball, ball screen, uh, on-ball screen switches. So they kind of just like aren't and don't have the makings of a good defense, but... Like Nick Claxton, I love Nick Claxton. He's a big friend oh, of the yeah. show, but he's yeah. um he was first in blocks last year in per thirty six minutes. So yeah, his potential is really bright. I, I went to New York in twenty twenty and got to watch him play, and he sort of just stole the show. Love it, stats man, prep punch, man. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys know as well? I this actually blew my mind. I knew Joe Harris was a good shooter, but do you know? Guess his percentage, what he shot from three last year. It was like 47 or something, wasn't it? Yeah, 47 and a half. That yeah. is nuts. outrageous. Yeah. Like, to be fair, though, he's got the easiest shooter job in the league. Yeah. And like, we know that he bloody shut the bed in. If he had shot his normal percentage in the they semifinals, easy. they would have won. But, yeah, that is crazy. 47%. Yeah, literally. It's not going to have any, like, man coverage just coming off him, though, when you've got players like Hart and Katie on the court yeah. with you. Yeah. All right, so I was next up in this one, and the obvious pick for this one is the reigning champs, the Bucks. Um, when I saw they lost PJ Tucker, I thought that's going to hurt him pretty big, because he's just one of those players that is sort of you know a mainstay on um, teams that go deep in playoffs. He's one of those really good role players, and I think the Heat are like all the better for getting him um, in the off season. But um, Tucker and Giannis went on the court together last year. The uh, Bucks outscored opponents by 14.7 points per 100 possessions in the playoffs, like when they were both on the court together. And the Bucks didn't even play their best playoffs in the basketball, uh, best basketball in the playoffs because um, they managed to drop from 38.9% on threes um, to 32.1% in the playoffs and still managed to come through with the win. So mm-hmm. I reckon they've got a lot of good basketball to go. I reckon Giannis is winning MVP. He's pulling up, hitting jump shots. He can do it all now. Um, yeah, definitely tend to be scared of, but yeah, obviously the Nets are healthy. I think that's why they picked them. Yeah, uh, I had the Bucks at two as well. Uh, one player I wanted to highlight is Jordan Nora. He's uh, he looked Beast. really good. Yeah, he looked really good in the Olympics and the same in preseason. 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up starting at the two for the Bucks just to keep the spacing good because he, he is like lights out from three. Yeah. He looks like he's about to make a jump into like a more like dependable player that you can play 25 minutes a night. Um, yeah, the PJ Tucker loss is huge, but getting Portis back for like five million a year is a steal. Um, says a lot about their culture and how much they want to win as well, which is good. Yeah, I think um, like they get DiVincenzo back as well from his injuries, which mm-hmm. is pretty much like he didn't play at all in the postseason or anything. So that's like having a new signing coming in. And I think Tucker definitely like hurts, but um, I think his only real impact in the playoffs was when he the like the defensive pressure he had on KD, which was massive. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I don't think, I think it hurts them, but it's definitely not enough to like knock them out of anything um, important. I, it was a bit surprising when I saw they let him go because he seemed like he had a really good impact on them. But yeah, I think Dave Vincenzo, I really like him. He's, he's a really good rebounding guard and um, he's big moment player as well. He's shout out to his March Madness eruption. Yeah, but, that's um, Yeah, I think that'll be pretty good again. Yeah. I think Giannis is sort of developing so much more as a defender as well that even with PJ Tucker leaving, he can fill those shoes and start guarding that get best player on the court. Yeah. And he hits pull-up jumpers. Yeah, legit. And like I think PJ Tucker's um like points per possession was like the lowest in the entire playoffs. So it kind of helps like yeah it's fine and play that that like the Warriors prove that with Draymond Green that you can have players on there that don't need to be dropping big amount of points when you have other players that do it. But the loss isn't going to be that detrimental yeah. to the Bucks if they can still cover defensive things. Yeah. They're probably stiff not to be at number one, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's just tough yeah. for the Bucks. And that's just a bit sexier. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. They could be anything as well. It, yeah. It'll be them too, I think, is the best two. Yeah. Some challenges, but... Yeah. All right, um, I'm next with number three, and it's hard for me to go past my Miami Heat here. Um, it, I was tossing up between the Heat and the Hawks because obviously the Hawks are looking pretty good. But um, after, like, I was a, not skeptical of our off-season moves, but obviously we got a lot older. And, um, yeah, so, like, it could easily shit the bed. But I, obviously, Lowry and the pace he plays at is something we haven't had since Tim Hardaway in like '95. So that like the, he's closer to Mario Chalmers than he is uh, Dragic in terms of being a, a playmaker. But um, he's just like feeding Bam and giving Bam that confidence to take off to the next level because the only, the only strife that like Heat fans had with Bam last year was just his aggressiveness and wanting to take over because like. Everyone knows that he can, but he just hadn't realised it yet. But, like, in, in the preseason, he's posting up and he'll try and, like, play make out of the post, but he gives it to Lowry and Lowry will just chuck it straight back and make him go to work, which I think is exactly what he what he needs. And, obviously, um, Tucker and Markeith Morris are huge improvements over Mo Harkless and Trevor Ariza. Um, yeah. yeah, and, and like... It, we look really good, especially considering we had the shortest offseason in the history of the NBA last year and still managed to make the playoffs. So, yeah, what do you boys think? Um, yeah, I'm pretty high on the heat. I had him third as well. Um, mostly just because, yeah, they're, they're rested now. And also just because Lowry, pretty much, I love Dragic, but Lowry, just like in every facet, is a better player than Dragic. Yeah. And he sort of helps as well because, like, 
Bam, like he's he's working on his shooting, he's getting there. He was only 38% on attempts from 15 foot, 15 feet and out, and he only took 120 of them all last year. But um Lowry's like double the um, amount of pull-up threes per game than Dragish was. And I feel like with a higher pace and, you know, a guy that will shoot more often than the other guy, it's kind of good for Bam and then obviously Jimmy. But, yeah, like, you just got offense like coming on in different ways. And then even Miami with Spolstra, like, I think the top 10 defensive team for 18 to last 25 seasons. And I don't yeah. think that sort of mentality is going to change at all. So they kind of cover a lot of bases and it's hard to go past them at three. Yeah. Last, last year, we were 28th for pace in the whole league. Um, <clears throat> so basically it was just get the ball up the court. You've either got Duncan running around screens, yeah. getting handoffs, or it's Jimmy Iso. Whereas now, like, it, it hasn't really been shown because we've played so slow, but Bam is probably the fastest center in the league, and he just, like, beats the other center down the court every time. And Lowry has the vision to just throw a full court pass and hit him. So I yeah. think you'll see a lot more of Bam as, like, a finisher and a lob threat than we have in previous seasons, which will be huge for the Heat's success, getting more easy buckets. Yeah, I think what I've really got to add about the Heat is um, two things. Like I sort of agree with what you said at the start, Nob, about the, the age. Like I think there is some, there is a, a universe that exists that the Heat do shit the bed this year because of the age and um, potential injuries and stuff. But I had them three as well. One of the main reasons is in the NBA, you play the teams within your division five times and then the rest of the teams in your conference three times and then the teams in the other like the West. So the Heat will play the teams in the West twice. And if you look at the Heat's division, um, the Hawks are the only other good team in it. The other teams in it are terrible. Yeah. Whereas like the um, division that all the teams that are going to be around Miami, like Celtics, Philly, um, even Brooklyn, yeah. New, and York. New York, their division is loaded. So they're going to be playing each other all the time. Whereas just having those, like it works out to be like 10, I think eight games difference, but your schedule is just by nature going to be easier than those teams because you play that Washington. Yeah, to play the Wizards. I think Magic, Russ, Magic, but the Magic um, as well, and the Hornets, and the Hornets yeah. too. Like yeah. that's six. You'd rather have six extra games against them than six extra games against Philly and Boston and the Nets, yeah, um, sure. and the Knicks and stuff. So it's definitely a yeah that probably I, I like that can be the difference between three or four wins, and that can be all you need to get to third in the East. Um, so yeah, that's one more reason. thing on the heat. Um, last year, obviously, we were pretty um, thin. Like we had to start Trevor Ariza, which was gross. But this year, having like that extra veteran presence with Lowry and Bam and Jimmy, obviously, means that one of them can be on the court at all times. So instead of having to either play Jimmy forty minutes a night or just hope like Max Struess was going to have a good game for you, we can always have one of them on the court, which I think will just like raise our floor way higher. Yeah, I love Max. Yeah, real balance team. Um, so uh, with number four in the East, I feel like we might get a few raised eyebrows at this one, but um, I'm sticking with Philly, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think last year they were first in the East. Uh, they pretty much brought back the same team. I don't think they really lost anyone. They brought Drummond in, who's an absolute clown. Um, only reason he gets so many rebounds is because he's rebounding his own mission shots but and he's just an absolute waste of space friend of the show but um he loves no, he's not a friend of the show he can, <laughs> he can get stuffed he's an idiot um yeah they, they brought him in not sure why i said all that because i think they're still going to be good but 
he at the end of the day he's still not like he i think the thing i have with drummond is that he's shit but he's not like shit shit he's like he's not he's not a good player he's that's a different story as well and so like box score readers would think he's a good player yeah yeah you second you pick the advanced stats you buddy yeah um but yeah i think philly like especially i had like the simmons situation is just really weird um and unsettling but i think Embiid is just he's gonna just dominate again this year they they're all saying like they said last year he was in the best shape they've ever seen him and he actually played the most games he had in his career and he's in better shape now. So I think he's just getting himself right. And he's like, he just wants to win so badly. Um, and I think just having that same team, they had their first year on the dock last year. And I think um, he's a good regular season coach. I think, I think sometimes he doesn't adjust enough in the playoffs, which can cost him, but I think they're good. I can't wait for Simmons to get booed at home in their first game, but um, I, yeah, I'd, I think they're just going to be solid enough as like a safe bet um, at four, but I know that I'm keen to hear what you guys think, to be honest. Uh, Yeah, I I was um, obviously a bit down on the six. I had them at six, um, but I do think like that four to seven is very fluid and a lot of those teams Mm. could. Like it, Simmons could very well come back and win the fans over within a month. I I highly doubt it, but he definitely could. Um, My only strife with the sixes is, after like Green, Maxi, and Curry, it gets very thin, and you start looking at like, um, oh, I forgot his name. That's, that probably says enough. But yeah, like they, they yeah, that, that's actually it. It was Isaiah Joe. <laughs> like he can shoot, but they get they about get shake thin. as well. Oh, I'm not a big fan of Shake Milton. I think he sucks. But anyway, <laughs> I love. Shake. Um, yeah, no, I I don't mind the Sixers. They definitely could make a comeback, and I think the way that Maury is holding out on the Simmons trade means that. If or when he does get traded, they'll actually get a decent yeah, return he's back. Smart. He's yeah. smart. He's smart. Yeah. He's playing the long game. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I had the Sixers fifth as as well. I wasn't as high on them, mostly just because of the uh, Ben Simmons things. But at the end of the day, it's probably they came with second in defense last season. So very very good team. And and Bede, even last year, um, led the league in usage rate. Was able to draw eight point five fouls per thirty six minutes. Like. I feel like if they lose Simmons, it's only going to do like good things for the team. Like I, I like the way Simmons plays. I don't really like him as a person, but I like the way he plays. And yeah, it's it's kind of stiff for him at the moment. But yeah, I, I feel like the Sixers could definitely make use of that and Embiid just being able to be that like that sole player in the paint. It's not going to get clogged up. He could generally have an MVP year, and like he was second in my MVP voting, like second to Giannis. So I do like the Sixers and. Like Nug said, they are pretty thin past like Curry, like even Harris as well. Like on the contract he's on for the production he gives, I don't like it. I used used to be a big Tobias Harris fan, but of late he's just kind of grown off me. But yeah, I still think the Sixers can make some waves, especially if they sort out the Simmons things. But if there's anything Philly fans are, it's unforgiving, and I don't feel like he ever comes back from it, and it will eventually just lead to him leaving. Yeah, unless he comes out shooting threes and locking yeah. people up, he um <laughs> he's gonna be hated there. And honestly, a second he starts playing good again, I reckon he'll get traded. Like the yeah. second that teams yeah. are like shit, we're just waiting for his value to play. get up. But um, yeah, I think part of the reason I had them here is that I think I really like um, the projection on like one of Maxi or Nugs mate um, Milton to have a like really good potential um 
get them up into like the six man of the year conversation this year. I think they're both really good. Um, I think one of them can, but yeah, I do agree. They are a bit thin, probably a bit thinner than some of the other teams around here, but I think they're sort of, they're sort of at the age, the right age. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Bean's timeline's really good as well. If he's able to stay healthy, I think they can make a yeah. big impact. I think I think Embiid said he's going to stop sitting on back-to-backs as well. Yeah, um, I love that. Yeah, which he's, is good. That's a big step for him. Yeah. yeah. For me, Embiid, he's always wanted to keep playing. It's always just the medical stuff that hold him out. Yeah. Which is good. He's yeah, really good. Yeah, for good reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so um, next up, I had who I was going to take or had fourth, the Hawks. Um. I like the addition of DeLon Wright um, to the bench. I think that's a pretty good pickup. Uh, after losing Rondo a couple of seasons ago, I feel like they were pretty thin at the backup point guard spot. But now, you know, DeLon Wright's not going to be a star player. He's not going to win six men of the year, but he does a lot of things right. And um, even DeAndre Hunter, I'm a big DeAndre Hunter fan. If he's able to stay healthy, I think they could almost push the finals and almost go all the way if the Nets aren't as lucky as them. Um, last year, I think they were like, they were in the bottom, like like less than top 10 in defense, but um, they're pretty underrated as a defending team. Um, Hunter was only able to play, I think it was three regular season games and then like five playoff games before he got injured again. But when they had him, Collins and Capella all on the court, they were um, able to hold opponents to 96.1 points per 100 possessions and outscored those opponents by 15.6 per 100 as well. So they are a good defensive team and Capella and Collins and Hunter all making strides and obviously Capella is like one of the best paint defenders in the league. And then yeah, Trey's only getting better. His defense is pretty much non-existent, but his offense has got a lot of things he can do as well. So I like the way they're going. They're a good young core. So they're going to be around for a while. Yeah. I had them at four as well. I think with the Hawks, you can expect every, almost every player on their team to get better in one way or another. Um, Cam Reddish so, showed some really good signs in the, in the playoffs last year. And if yeah. he can just get a bit of confidence behind his shot, like the defense is already pretty much there. Um, he, like if they get a leap from him, they'll be really scary. I think last year they were like second in the league for like players that missed um, their number of minutes. So like the amount of bench players that had to play. Um, and yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I think the Hawks could be anything. I wouldn't like if, if the season ended and they were the two seed, I wouldn't be surprised. Hmm. Because um they are like they have a build to be a very good regular season team as well as playoff team. Yeah. Um, so yeah, with the Hawks, I I had them like a little bit lower, but like no, I'm just saying that four to seven sort of range in the east is really fluid. Um and they could slide up and down that pretty easily. So uh, under McMillan last year, before he stepped in, their defense is 23rd in the league. And after he came in, it became the 12th best in the league. So he obviously helped them on that end of the floor. I agree with what you said, Cred, about Dillon Wright. I think just the bit of depth he gives them at guard uh, really helps. Team, they pretty much brought everyone back. Um, and they were the five seed last year. So I think this sort of range is good for them. I'm, I, yeah. I don't know if the reason I have that don't have them higher is because I just don't like the Hawks, but um, yeah, there's yeah something about them. I don't know, just can't can't get around them. I think John Collins had his had his head so far up his own ass. It's because he's dunked Trey, the Jared. I don't like the way Trey just plays for fouls and stuff as well. Like, it'll be interesting to see how that goes with the new rules this year. 
Yeah, yeah, that will be. Trey's definitely a big exploiter of that. Um, I love Nate McMillan as well. I thought he was great. Um, Good coach. At the back end of the year with them. And he coached the Pacers yeah. earlier in his career, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he always had them really competitive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think he's a good coach. He's exactly what they needed because they they had their interim coach in for like the first part of the season because they fired Lloyd Pierce, didn't they? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I feel like now with the full off season with the team to manage to get that far into the playoffs, they did. They could make some actual waves. Yeah. Um. So I think we're up to the sixth pick. I this team at five. I'm probably a bit higher than most um and that's the celtics so i think obviously last year from what i've heard kemba's knees are shot um and yeah so i think that their supporting cast is like much better and they're leading into tatum and brown a lot more so you get in like there's so many different lineups they can run so they could start like smart richardson and then horford or or time lord um, and that's like a really good supporting cast. They can play D, hit threes, do all the things you need to do to play around superstars like Tatum. Um, the, if there's one thing I have, like, I guess a fetish for in the NBA, it's really good role players that fit the team well. Um, I, I'll talk about it quite a lot, but I just think the Celtics have built their team really well. And Romeo Langford looks pretty good. Some of their young young guys look pretty good. Um, He's due to break out right now. Yeah, yeah. I think they'll they'll have a good year, a, a bounce back year. Because um, really, like the year before last, they were an elite team. They just ran into the Heat, who were on fire at that point. So, yeah, fair enough. I had the um, Celtics at seven, but it was pretty neck and neck with whoever with who I had at six. Um, I'm, I love Jason Tatum, big fan of him, and he's a big fan of the show. He actually called me up last week and said how much he loved the debut episode. But um, I'm a big fan of a, a ISO scorer that like plays well with it, within the team. So, um, yeah, Tatum had 11.4 ISO possessions a game in the playoffs and was able to score 1.2 um, points per ISO possession. So he was almost good to score over 50% of the time. And, um, yeah, losing Walker and Fournier, I feel like is actually good for the Celtics. Like, you know, a couple of years ago, people would have thought losing players like that would be bad, but I feel like now he's just going to get even more usage without them on the court. And yeah, I feel like he, that's what I said earlier in the first episode, he's be a dark horse for MVP. And I feel like he can definitely do it this year. Yeah. I had the Celtics at five. I really like them. I think, yeah, like last year, they just had an absolutely disastrous year with injuries and, um, with COVID affecting players and stuff. Like it was as bad as any team in the league. Um, and they still, yeah, they still made the playoffs. And they, similarly to like the Heat, having, they had like that really short layoff because they got to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and yeah, the health of their team is terrible next year. Do you guys know who had the third best defensive plus minus in the league last year? No. And it's Cantor. Oh, he is a, a fan of the show. I love that bloke so much. He is just like, for someone who's 6'8, he is one of the most unstoppable, like, rim protectors, board gobblers in the league. He is yeah. just unreal. As He's a fantasy pogo stick, yeah. yeah. He um obviously makes some silly decisions, bit of a kamikaze sort of center, but he is like unreal in terms of like his feel for the game and just how like good his instincts are defensively. Still really young yeah. as well. So yeah. 
got a lot of growing to do, I think. And for those that yeah, aren't his first um, in NBA chat, Time Lord is Robert Williams, just so you know. Yeah. Rock yeah. DJ. <laughs> yeah, I think I think their um, off-season is really good. Uh, like we were sort of saying, Canberra's knees are just crooked. Experience a bit of that myself, old man, knee issues. But, um, <laughs> but I think bringing in as much as I despise Ennis Kander on defense, he's a really good regular season player because he's so good on the boards and um, scoring inside. So it's really good just depth to have when you need that sort of production um, in a middle of January in a shit game that half the team doesn't care about um to have him there and Horford as well like he played really good when he played for the Thunder last year when they let him play mm. um and then yeah I think he can definitely help um the Celtics coming off the bench and he sort of knows the system um and even though Brad Stevens isn't a coach anymore he's still I think they're still going to play a pretty similar way mm. um and yeah, I think their big man depth is better. I'm interested to see how Pritchard goes. I think like one of their sort of like Nesmith, Blankford, Pritchard, like one of them, if one of them can really take a leap, that'll be good. Cause like they got Schroeder on an amazing deal. Yeah. Um, but if one of them can sort of give him a bit more offensive firepower out of the backcourt, that'll be massive for them. And Pritchard had like as good a summer as anyone um, in terms of like summer league. Yeah, got 92 at, that the, is, time, at yeah. the end of the day, it's summer league. So. Until the final when Davion Mitchell clamped him. Yeah. Made him made him yeah. look like a G League player. But <laughs> made him look but, stupid. Yeah. I actually really like the um Celtics as well. And then even Jalen Brown has got a lot of potential to blow up. Like there's only four players last year that were able to score over six points a game on catch and shoot shots and then also six points a game on pull up shots. And that was Steph, KD, PG, and then Jalen Brown. Mm. So yeah, I, yeah. I do like that. And then obviously losing yeah, big ball users like Walker and then like shooters like Fournier just opens his roll up heaps as well. Yeah. He's very yeah. efficient. He's a really like like he's almost the best second option in the league. Because yeah. like you can stick him in the corner and he'll be effective, or you can give him the ball and he'll do he can play as a first option. Play he's probably like plays within the offense as good as anyone. Um that's like a, a second second option. Yeah. All right, yeah. so I think I was up next, was I? Yeah. I think with oh, yes, it's seven, isn't it? Oh, yeah. is it? Oh, is it yes, yeah, I think I had it. Um, just before I do seven, uh, if you don't follow um, Brown on Twitter, definitely follow him. He's awesome to follow on Twitter. It's a quick shout out thing. <laughs> but um, with seven, I had the Bulls, Bulls Nation. Um, I think uh, they actually could be higher. They could be a really good regular season team. I worries about how they'll go in the playoffs but um their off season was pretty like pretty solid for a team um especially look at like there wasn't too many big names that moved around and they they definitely got their team a lot better than they were last year um and like Vucevic now and they brought him in halfway through the season and it's sort of been proven time and time again that it's really hard to sort of insert yourself into that um culture and stuff when you haven't been when you don't have the like training camp and the off season to sort of get all the hijinks worked out. And he, um, he actually went to college with the Rosen. So they have that connection from way back. Um, one thing I really love about the Rosen that he showed, like at sort of added to his game in San Antonio was when he was a wrapped up per hundred possessions, hit the highest assist number he had was 5.8. Um, and last season he got that all the way up to 10 and in every year he was in San Antonio, it was over eight. So 
uh, that was definitely something he worked on in his game. I think um, there was a stat about like pick and roll um, as the ball handler, and he was like one of the top ten in the league for it in terms of initiating stuff out of pick and rolls. So he definitely added that to his game, and that's something he's going to need when he's playing with guys like Kobe White and Levine, who are just going to shoot the ball. I really like Caruso as well. He's just the perfect um, backup guy in the NBA who knows his role, won't try and do too much, can um, plays within the flow of the offense and is a really solid defender. So, yeah, I really liked what they did. I think they can be higher than seven. I think the reason I have them at seven is that it's all just potential at the moment. Um, And they've only got two people on their roster who were there 12 months ago. So they're probably going to have a few things to work out. Yeah, I think with the Bulls, like, I think the East is better than the West this year. And if they're in the West, they could easily be four or five, even three, if they had a good year. But there's six teams above them, which you can't really see them budging. Maybe the Celtics or the Sixers if if shit hits the fan. But I really like the Bulls. They're just full of, like, efficient scorers and then good role players, which I think is a good build towards winning games. Um, Javante Green is a guy I want to highlight. In the um, preseason, he was playing sort of the the Bruce Brown type of role. He's only 6'4", and they were starting him at the four with Paddy Williams out. I think he's going to do a lot of things for them just with the versatility and stuff, something that we haven't seen in Chicago for a very long time. Um, it's good for the NBA that they're somewhat competent again. Yeah, um, I do like the Bulls, and those know me, I love an underdog, and it would be great to see the Bulls sort of make that resurgence back into the playoffs. And, yeah, like like we said, um, Lonzo DeRozan and Caruso for Sadoransky, Temple, and Thaddeus Young is, like, probably one of the greatest off-seasons in recent memory. Like, they've almost got a super team overnight, but, you know, it still doesn't have the makings of a major star. Um, the only thing I don't like about the Bulls is the man at the helm, Billy Donovan. Um, when he was with OKC, all of his teams ranked bottom 10 assist percentage, which is assists assist divided by field goals made. And um, even last year, they were 7-29 and 29 against teams over 500, which I expect them to change. But then also last year, they had a 64% assist percentage, which was fourth in the league in non-clutch moments, and then 49.5 in clutch moments, which was good for 19th in the league. And like I said, I'm expecting them to – like it's hard to go off their metrics from last year because they're just such a different team. But when you still got Billy Donovan running things, I don't know if that's going to change a lot. And we saw it with OKC when they had Westbrook and – Carmelo Anthony and PG, they have like this my turn, your turn sort of offense. And I thought that's just going to stand out at the Bulls because they have, you know, Lonzo's not too bad, but like DeRozan, Levine, I feel like that, that this is going to come especially apparent. And then even Vucevic as well because he likes to work a lot with the ball. So, yeah, it's, it's hard for me. It's like that six, seven, eight range is like a lot of teams that could just be all over the shop. But I do think the Bulls will make the playoffs. I'm just not expecting them to make a dent. Agree. Yeah. That's good. Okay, so next pick. I actually had them a lot higher than what you guys had by the sound of it, um, mostly just because they're a regular season team. But the Knicks, um, I thought when they added Fibidale last year, defense was great. And even with adding Walker and Fournier, who aren't good defenders, I do think they've still got the makings of a great defensive team. They've sort of turned around. Um, Julius Randle is becoming this proper like a team running player. Um, RJ Barrett looks prime to break out. He was like 47.9% on threes in his last 25 games with the Knicks last season. So I feel like he can definitely come back um, into this season and sort of break out. And even Mitchell Robinson, he's put on like, I think it was like close to like 
I don't think it was 50 pounds. It could have been close to that of like just muscle. Like he's just looking so much bigger now. So I like it. The only thing I don't like about the Knicks is how slow they are. Um, it's sort of like a fast-paced game these days, and that's been Thibodeau's only slight as well as playing all his starters throughout junk time. But, yeah, they were last last year in transition points with 14.2, and they had the lowest fast-break score per game with 8.9 in the last three seasons, like, ever. And they had 10% of their shots in the first six seconds of the shot clock. So, yeah, they do their work slow, but I, I like their additions. That's that's what I like. Um, yeah, Fournier coming in was 52.4% of wide open threes last season, which was good for second in the league. And I definitely think he's an underrated shooter. And yeah, players like RJ Barrett will be able to find him and he'll help him improve his own game. Yeah, I like the Knicks. I just like, I just don't think they're better than the teams above them. My only strife with them is um, they're like, they had a good offseason, got some good players, but almost every contract they signed was like, so it can be traded for a superstar. I think they're just holding out for like Dame or Beal or even yeah. Zion in the next year or so to come out and say they want out um, and make a play at them, which is obviously fair enough. They're New York. They're a big market team and the Nets are kind of taking their name at the moment. But yeah, um, yeah they've got, they're very, very deep. So I think that'll hold them in good stead. The only problem is Thibodeau only plays like six, blokes for 45 minutes a game um the one thing i'm unsure of i think um i forgot his name oh no it's julius randall he he upped his um three point percentage by it was like eight or nine percent last year and um like he i'm sure he got better as a shooter but i don't know if that's um he's going to be able to keep doing that mm. like his it, production it last year is up yeah might come back to earth yeah just a little bit even if it's only a couple percent it could make a bit of a difference. His usage has to be a bit down with their their additions as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think you must have looked at my notes and I, that was um, the main thing I was going to say about mm-hmm. Knicks was I really liked what they did with the contracts. Like the only guys, they, they didn't do an, an, like a typical Knicks thing. The only four-year contracts they signed was one of them was Randall who deserves it and the other one was Fournier, yeah. but it was on good money. It was like 73 mil. And in two years, like with the cap going up and stuff, that's going to look like a really good deal. So they're super tradable contracts. They didn't lock themselves into any five-year stupid deals. Um, so I think their off-season is really good. I like the backcourt depth that they have, um, that they sort of added. Like having quickly, quickly Rose, Fournier, RJ, um, Kemba, um, all sort of there now is really good depth. Obi has looked really good in the preseason as well. I don't know like what his stats are, but he's um, been taking guys off the dribble and stuff a bit more. So it'll be interesting to see if he can impact in the regular season. Um, I think, yeah, I have them at eighth, but I do think they can definitely be higher in the regular season. I'll be betting against them no matter who they're playing in the playoffs, but I think they're going to be, they'll still be a good team. They're definitely not going to be easy to beat ever. Um, and yeah, they're just sort of, I think they're waiting for something to come around. They've quietly got a nice core there. I think RJ's looking really good. Like Kurt was saying, Mitchell Robinson, even, um, he's not young, but the guy, so Robert Williams is third in the DPM last year, defensive plus minus, um, Nerlens Noel was first and by Mm -hmm. a long way, Draymond was second, but Noel was first by like nearly a whole point. Um, very underrated. So, yeah, he, they've got good depth everywhere. I just don't know if they've got more, any more than depth. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. There they go. They're very 
Chicago Bulls 2010 sort of team. Yeah. Yeah. Really solid everywhere. Bibs vibes. Questions. Yeah, I really liked um, them drafting Quentin Grimes as well. 25th pick. I've been a big fan of his ever since he went to Houston. And um, yeah, I, I do like that he showed during the preseason that he can hit down some big shots. He's sort of playing that Alonzo Trier role that he carved out for himself before he got cut and never got re-signed. But yeah, exactly. Like I think, yeah, just the Knicks, the only thing is the playoffs was their issue last year. Regular season wasn't really, but, but that's kind of what happens when you have fibs. And he doesn't, he didn't really adjust that much in the playoffs and it let them, it cost them because their offense was just terrible. But yeah, I, I do think they can make a decent crack in the regular season, which is why I have them up at sixth. One um, interesting thing about the Knicks last year, the bloke who shot their first shot in their games um, in all except for two games was RJ. So if you're looking, if that continues, watch the Knicks games in the first weeks. If they feed him the ball, then he's definitely worth having a bet on for first basket because they always price people at like six, seven dollars. Yeah. And if he's taking the first shot for the Knicks in every game, like it was literally every game last year except for two games, he took the first shot. So they'd try to get him going early. Um, it might, like that must be the case. So if they do that again this year, then yeah, yep. make some money. The dough nugget right there. Yeah, good shout. Uh, so I'm next at nine. I went with the Pacers. Um, I was originally a bit higher on them, but obviously injuries have ruined them once again. Um, Rick Carlisle is one of the best coaches in the league, and while they have their core playing, they're going to be a very good team. It's just about when they play. Um, so I think it came out today, Lavert is going to miss the first two weeks of the season and then be reassessed with, I think it's a stress fracture in the foot, which is not looking good for him. Um, all his stuff is lower body, which is not looking good. He's got a world of talent, but he just can't seem to stay healthy. Uh, apparently, TJ Warren is cooked. Um, not like he was yeah. much of a player anyway. He's, yeah. he's one of my most hated players ever. Yeah, tell us what you think of TJ Warren. No. Look, uh, to think he can speak or talk to Jimmy Butler in any sort of facet <laughs> is ridiculous. The man couldn't even, like, eat his He's socks. a bubble guppy. Yeah, he's an absolute nuffy. Um, But anyway, yeah, so apparently he's cooked. Uh, there's no timetable for his return. And without them, they start getting really, really thin. I like TJ McConnell and Brogdon, um, but I think they need to trade one of Turner or Sabonis before they mm. can really make any sort of noise. It's just not enough flexibility with those two on the court at the same time. They're both good players. They just need to be a centre by themselves, I think. Yeah, I, I did like um, them getting Rick Carlisle in because there was rumours going around last year that the team didn't get along with their other coach because he, he wasn't really a player's coach and, and neither is Rick Carlisle by any means, but you don't mess, you don't like mess with Rick Carlisle. Like if you're not getting along with him, like he doesn't care. He's still going to coach you. Like he's, just, he's one of the uh, few coaches out there that just don't mess around. And I feel like he can make some good impacts on that team. Yeah. The only thing that confused me about the Pacers last year, but like upon looking into it, I sort of figured out um, the reason why Miles Turner was the leader in blocks per game is because of how shit the Pacers are at stopping players from getting into the paint. <laughs> so I think Turner was like by a long shot face like the most shots like in front of the rim, like by any player, like even higher than Rudy Gobert. Don't have the numbers there. But um, yeah, the Pacers themselves allowed 36% of opponent shots in the restricted area with a league high 40.4 restricted area points a game. Like, you think if the team's going over 100 points, it's almost half their points coming in the restricted area, which is, like, tiny compared to everything else and in a three-point shooting league as well. 
Um, the only thing I, I do like about the pace is getting um, Chris Duarte. I think he can be an impactful player straight away. He doesn't do a lot wrong. I just don't know if he fits their timeline just yet because he's 24 years old and, yeah, I don't really see him making any sort of impact in the playoffs for another few years. Yeah, I um I like Duarte as well, even though he's like a 47-year-old rookie. <laughs> um, like his per 36 numbers in summer league, like average 24, average 22 in preseason. So I think he I think he'll definitely start at the two. Um, especially because like Nug was saying, Levert and Warren are kind of cooked. Um, and I was definitely I was a lot higher in the paces until that sort of news started coming about those injuries. I think they're just not without them. They're just not good enough to be in a really good East to be any higher than um, like yeah. sort of playing range. Um, and yeah, what you're saying about Nate, whatever his last name was, Borg yeah, like or something. Your yeah, he was an absolute moron. He used to get into fight. He got into so many fights with his assistant coaches on the sidelines and stuff. Um, TJ Warren like despised him like he uh, there's apparently warren could have played early last year but he held himself out because he wasn't playing for um whatever borg whatever um he, yeah <laughs> he's more on so rick Carlisle's a, a massive upgrade but yeah i don't think they're gonna be healthy enough to be any higher than this um, yeah and yeah that's sabonis looks good again turner is good brogdon's good but beyond that um, it gets shaky without two of their yeah. other best players being out with injuries. So, yeah. Yeah, the vote's yeah. real Case to be higher. Not also, bad. for a bit of uh, background information, uh, Nate Bjorgren, I have to say his last name, he was an assistant at Phoenix while TJ Warren was there. So, I reckon there's a bit of bad blood. Mm. Oh. Yeah, it, there was, I can't remember exactly what it was because I saw it a while ago, but TJ Warren, like, if he could have. No, I won't say that. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on. Just more TJ Slander. And um, at 10. Uh, yeah, I have the Raptors at 10, so I sort of gave that away a little bit earlier. But um, I think one big thing with the Raptors that's a little bit underrated is that last year they had to play the whole season out of a hotel room. So getting to go actually home to Toronto this year um, would will do wonders for them. Um, and... Not yeah, not being literally on the road for the whole season uh, will be good. Their core is still like pretty solid. I just worry about how much scoring they have now that the load on sort of Freddie and Siakam when he comes back is going to be higher than they've ever been asked before. Um, losing Lowry um, and even Norm halfway through last season. So I yeah, I'm just not. I can't have them any higher than ten. I think Scotty Barnes looks really good. But he's still such a terrible shooter that I think to have he's not going to have massive impact on games this season. OG we sort of talked about in our awards episode is definitely has the potential to break out. But I think even if he does, I still just can't project them any higher than here. I really don't expect Siakam to still be there at the end of the season. I think the Raptors are probably they're going to try and probably do go into some sort of rebuild. I just don't think they have a good enough talent base to um really compete and the next couple of drafts the hot top end of it are looking pretty good so i'd really expect them to trade siakam he's 27 he's gonna 
his value is probably if he gets back and he shows that he's healthy, I reckon that's as high as his value will be for the rest of his career. Cause he's been someone who's improved a lot every year, but I feel like he might hit a wall now because he doesn't have a lot more. He, you sort of stop improving um, like later into your twenties. So I think he's going to depreciate in value a lot. So I expect them to trade him, but yeah. Yeah. I like the Raptors. I think they're very versatile. They, I think they have like, 13 players on their roster that are between 6'7 and 6'9, which um, means they can obviously play a lot of different ways. And Nick Nurse is an elite coach. He's very underrated in terms of coaching. Um, but for me, it's just their top-end talent. Like, Freddie is a very good player, but he's a like he's a glorified role player. Siakam can score a little bit, but he's not a first option. So, like, that's why you can't put him much higher than um, 10 or 11. I had him at 11 personally, but... Yeah, I think they'll sniff the plane, but that's about it. Yeah, I had the Raptors at 10th as well. Um, the main thing for me was just how bad their defense was. Like, they allowed 7.3 more points per 100 possessions than the year before. And obviously, they, they got considerably worse than the year before. But even, like, last year, this offseason, losing Lowry, I feel like that's going to be pretty big for them, and it sort of just really puts them back in that rebuilding phase, which I don't mind for them either because I'm sure they're going to realize that. Um, when they get towards the back end of the season. And I kind of like it because I see it at the three and day podcast will be uh, Scotty Barnes stands. And um, yeah, I do like that. He's got sort of room now and like he can grow into like a good role there in Toronto, but there's no like, you know, big pressure on him for him to start making an impact straight away. He can sort of just get in the gym and start working on his shots and stuff like that, which is good. But yeah, like last year when Lowry was on the floor, they got outscored by 3.3 points per hundred sessions. Um, so I, I don't think that they have sort of got any additions this year besides Scotty Barnes that can sort of help cover that. And not to say that Larry's one of the best defenders out there, but it's clear that, like, you know, he's sort of just the alpha dog of the team, the team leader. And, yeah, losing him will definitely hurt a team like that. Okay, was that me next? Or yeah, yeah. Yes, it was. Next. Okay. Um, yeah, it was, as it always has been for the last decade or so, the bottom four or five of the... Easter, pretty terrible teams, but um, I've got the Wizards sniffing themselves into 11 here. Um, I think losing Westbrook is pretty bad, and I don't think they'll make the play in because of it. He was um, really good for them last year. He sort of was the main reason for that turnaround when they were playing so shit at the start of the year and sort of pushed all the way to the play in last year. I do think that Dinwiddie, Coos, and Harrell are all really good additions for that team. And, like, Daniel Gafford's there as well. I like their direction that they're going. They have a lot of, like, um, good projects on the go. I do think that um, Davis Bertans needs to turn it up. He got that big contract and then just sort of got injured and now he's just not lucky. He's just not the flamethrower that he was when he got that um, contract. But, um, yeah, on the plus side for the Wizards, I do think Beal's going to win scoring champ. He was third in usage last year, even with Russell Westbrook on his team. So I'd, I'd be surprised if he isn't in top two for usage this year, but it's hard to see with um, Tatum and Embiid as well also getting a lot of the ball. Uh, I think with the Wizards, um, they have a lot. Like, they're, they're probably, while they miss Westbrook a lot, they're probably a bit deeper than last year. Um Denny Advia, he was, like, shocking last year, but that's because he was refined to a role where he had to sit and shoot in the corner, which is couldn't be further from how he plays. He's more of a ball handler, sort of European hybrid type of player. Um, so if he can get some more of those sort of minutes off the bench, that'll do him a world of good in terms of development. Um, 
Hachimura hasn't quite put it together yet, but I feel like he's just like a lot of players have said he's like he could be anything. I think he's just on the on the verge of making some sort of a leap. Um, whether that's a small one or or a big one, I'm not sure. But yeah, I I like the Wizards. I think they're in- interesting. One thing on Beal, he'll stay till he gets the supermax deal, and then he's going to ask for a trade within probably yeah. three three minutes. So, um, if you're a Wizards fan, don't hold your breath. I think I know any Wizards fans out there. To be honest, yeah, there's not one. I don't think they actually exist. They're like holograms at games. <laughs> people in the crowd. No one, no one who lives in DC cares about sports. Yeah, not that I've ever been there, but um, the fans just hang on to it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think one guy, Bryant Thomas Bryant, coming back from his ACR will definitely help their big man depth. Um, he was he's good. They missed him definitely last year when he went down. But I I've really liked the guys they brought in. I've Kuzma can't make a layup, but apart from that, he's a solid player. Um, and he can, if he, I think he just was just so like confused, sort of confused in his role in LA, even though it was clear he just never looked comfortable. I don't reckon a bit, um, like last season, but year before, he did have an impact in the bubble, um, and was part of what helped them win. Um, so I think he, if he can get back to some of that, he can help. I think, yeah, like Nug said, they're interesting. They're not going to be that good, but I think they're definitely better than what's to come in terms of who we have below them. Yeah. Um, with um, Denny Avia, he was getting heaps more of the ball in the preseason, which I like to see. And it was definitely that player that he was sort of um, showing a be before he got drafted and he was playing in Israel. So... I do see that he can sort of find his footing and get into a good role again this year. And then, yeah, fully forgot to mention Thomas Bryant, but he was like a fantasy stud um, the year that he got injured. And I did like the direction he was going as sort of like a three-point shooting big that can also make some big moves inside. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go. But, yeah, I'm just not expecting anything spectacular from the Wizards at all. Um, I'm next. That's why I'll take the Hornets. Um, I think obviously they had a really good year. Got a lot of lu- a lot of luck with um, teams above them who had a, a, a bit of a fall off after the bubble. Um, I think one thing that doesn't get talked about enough is like when point guards that get drafted high come out have a good first year. Often um, their second year, people tip them like Jar Morant. They tipped him to make a huge leap, which I think he will this year. But the next year they become like sort of the first name on the team's book um, when they're scouting them and often their um, efficiency will drop a little bit and they might just take a slight step backwards before they um, step forwards, which I think will affect the Hornets heaps because, um, like, Melo's going to be a star. I don't have a doubt about it, but I think this year he might just hold back a bit and then next year will be his year. Um Losing Devontae Graham, obviously, you know, like a, a few of you boys aren't a big fan of him, but I think when you go to Ish Smith, Ish Smith is fast, but that's literally it. Um, you start getting really thin and Kelly Oubre can't do anything good for you in terms of like culture and just being consistent. I do really like um, PJ Washington. I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, it's looking like he'll be their backup center, which at 6'7 is pretty small, but I'm keen to see what he does with it and how he reacts. It could be um, one of those sort of interesting players that gets a lot of a lot of noise. Um, other than that, I don't have too much else on the Hornets. Yeah, I love PJ. Um, in games, 
last year when they played him in centre, they were able to outscore opponents by 4.8 points per possession. So, yeah, he's, he's got, like, a nice role there. He's had some weird stuff going on in the off-season with, like, his ex-girlfriend and she's sort of extorting a child from him. But it's a situation he's got into himself and I think now he's paying something like 200K or something. Well, he needs to pay 200K of child support. So he's definitely going to be working hard for a contract, that's for sure. But um, I do like the Hornets... Um, direction, that's for sure. And they're sort of one of those good teams that you like to sort of get around. They've got a good culture going. Um, getting Kelly Ubre, I don't really rate Kelly Ubre as a player on that team, but he'd be good for the culture. Like him and Mallow, it's just nice getting them some fans because they really don't have many of those. Um, and I like them drafting Book Knight as well. He's sort of just going to fill in Malik Monk's role, but probably play it better. And um, another big thing for the Hornets that doesn't really get spoken about enough, um, they were 24 and 20 in games when Gordon Hayward played, and they were 9 and 19 in games that he was injured and didn't play. Um, so they're clearly a better team with him on the court, but just the main question mark around that is just can he stay healthy? And he hasn't been able to for the last like five years or so, five, six years. Yeah, yeah. Hey, they were so good when Hayward played last year, but who knows if he's going to play much this year um blokes made a glass but um i do yeah i the hornets are they're interesting i think i probably agree that they i don't think they're gonna have a bit of a jump from last year i really like book night um there was i was watching the i don't know why i was watching it but there was all there was only he was probably one of the only nba players in the court um this what i think they were playing who's cole will play for now the grizzlies cole Culver, yeah, yeah, it was um, young time in the fourth quarter, last six minutes, and the Hornets pretty much just every possession, Book Knight got to do whatever he wanted. Um, so it was fun watching him, and I think in the space of one minute, he he had that highlight poster that everyone's probably seen from that game when he just erupted. Um, but he also in that minute he had a three and also traded his own shot in the mid range with a nice little step back. So he's definitely like a three level scorer who I think will be um, take good strides and come off the bench this year and sort of find his groove in that role. I think, um, yeah, Cali Ubre just, I don't like him. He just doesn't make, he's just not a solid player in the team's offense. He's a terrible shooter and he just, yeah, I think he's one of those players who thinks he's a bit better than he is. Um, Actually, Andrew and, Wiggins on the Hornets. Yeah, yeah. So, so I can't defend the Hornets. They're yeah, they're cool. Be they're definitely a, um, a league pass team that you will want to always keep an eye on because you might see Miles Bridges jumping over someone or Mallow doing something outrageous yeah. or even um, watching Book Knight have fun. So they're going to be fun to watch, but. I think if Hayward, like if Hayward can actually stay healthy, then they're going to push themselves into the playing conversation. But without him, I think that they just sort of fall apart a little. They don't, yeah, they fall apart a little bit. So, yeah, keep your eye on them. Yeah, I live for their announcer, um, Eric oh, so, Collins. Oh, <laughs> he's unbelievable. When I, I won't give away too much, but he will be getting some features on this show <laughs> this season. Um, so Moon's in number 13. I'll take my boys, the Cavs. Um, so I'm an absolute Cavs tragic. 
<laughs> I probably, I wasn't, I was like kind of into basketball when we were good in 15, 16, 17, but like I only really watched the playoffs. It was only sort of 2018 onwards that I got into basketball, which has been a really, really unfortunate three years um, as a cap supporter. It's just been pretty thick and thin, mate. Um, but I really, I think. The way I saw someone, I think it was John Hollinger, described the Cavs. I think it just epitomized us perfectly. It was like the hardest part of a rebuild is right before the sun comes up. And I think we've got a lot of pieces there right now who are all looking really good. But I think what we need to do is make sure that the sun definitely isn't up yet. I think we still don't have, there's still enough question marks about our young core that if we can add one more really good player to it, then the sun might come up um, and we can go to like the next level. But I think right now we're not there yet. And it's probably pretty painful because guys like Sexton getting into his um, like fourth year now, Garland going into his third year, Corey second year, some pretty handy veterans like Love and Rubio. Um, like we should be better this year, but I think realistically we might not be. I'm really worried about a Corey. He's last year, he was the second worst um, player in the NBA who actually played minutes um, based off advanced stats. And I think he, like, part of that skewed because he was guiding the best ball handler every night. So his defensive stats are lower than someone who sits on a corner sitter. But he um, is just not showing a lot on offense. He's got a really nice first step and explosiveness to the basket. But his problem is because he's not a threat from three is that he? Um, it's a lot harder for him to get to the basket because people just go under screens and play off him. But he showed playmaking flashes last year. It's like the sum level when he played games when um, Sexton and Garland were both injured. So that was promising. I think Garland is one who can take a leap this year. Um, a lot of people really like him. He's, he just looks so fluid. Every time he shoots a ball, you think it's going to go in because his shooting form is always just so perfect and um, beautiful he improved heaps as a passer compared to what people thought he was coming in the league and i think like looking at his first season he came into the nba he was drafted fourth overall as a point guard he played like six games in college i don't know he played like four games in college um so his first year in the nba it was like the freshman year um so he's definitely improving kevin love looks like a new man i've watched all the preseason games um tanya he's He's like per 36 in the preseason. He's putting up like five assists, nine rebounds, 20 points. Um, and he, because he's only been playing like nine, 10 minutes a game, just trying to make sure his famous calf injuries don't happen again. But he actually looks fit now. He looks like an NBA player. He hasn't for three years. So hopefully he can give us some production. Rubio um, definitely helps us push the pace. I think that all off season they've been talking about moving the offense into the 21st century and actually shooting threes and playing faster. So might cost us a bit defensively because we'll be more reckless going forward. But I think we're, yeah, definitely the sun's not up yet in Cleveland, but there should be some excitement this year. Uh, yeah, I think the Cavs are on the way up, uh, although very slowly. Um, I'm very high on Sexton and Garland. I think they're both like, they they get, um, all they get called is small and like not a heap of defense. But I think, if people focused on the positive things they provide, they would understand how good each of them are. And I think, like, it gets talked about like they're not a good fit together, but I actually think that they are. You just need to surround them with the right pieces that can cover them because obviously they are very small and there's nothing they can do about that. But Sexton will play as hard as anyone in the league and he'll, he'll go at anyone 
at any time. So that, okay. that's, that's one thing I love about him. Um, Mobley, I think, will be the best player of his draft um, by a long way. I think he's got the highest ceiling of probably anyone in the last five years from the draft. Um, yeah, I, I, I really like where they're headed. Um, I think eventually they'll have to trade Jared Allen. But other than that, this will be a, a step forward towards um, slowly sniffing their way up the power rankings. Yeah, um, those definitely covered most bases with the Cavs. Um, I do feel like Kevin Love is going to have a comeback here and sort of shove it up Joe Colangelo's ass for talking shit about him. But, um, yeah, Isaac Cora, I haven't closed the book on him just yet, but last year he had the worst field goal percentage of field goals outside the paint with 27.4% in the whole league. And he also had the fifth worst effective field goal percentage. And to make matters worse, he also allowed 1.15, well, 1.15 points per possession. So, but I do think he's got, he's got a lot of growing to do. And then I'm also a big fan of Sexland as well. But, yeah, the main problem with the Cavs is just I, they, I, they're just not a good team and no one knows, no one thinks they are, which is, you know, not a discredit to them. But last year, they were 1 in 46 in games where they traveled by double digits, which is the worst in the last 20 years. And um, yeah, it's pretty tough to come back I'm from a stat like that. Boys. Yeah. But um, no, nah, like, like, like you guys have said, they've got a great young core that's sort of coming on the way. Um, Mobley's ceiling is nuts. Like, I do think they'll be able to make some moves. I'm not too sure how tradable Jared Allen is unless he starts balling out because of that contract they gave him. But no, I, I do like it was the direction actually, they're going and there's lots to be excited for for him. The contract, um, the smart thing they did about it was that it doesn't um, account for inflation. So it stays at a flat rate. So in like the third and fourth year, max contracts are going to, like they're already up to like nearly 40 mil and his is only 20. So yeah, what is yeah, a new um, 20 a year? So it is okay. One thing I will say about Alan is that um, his free throw shooting in the preseason looks amazing. So hopefully that can expand to having some remnants of a jump shot. He toyed a little bit with it last year, just randomly just shoot like one three again and hit it. Um, and it was like, yeah, as much fun as anything was in this second half of the season as a Cavs supporter. But <laughs> he, um, yeah, I think he's going to shoot 80% from the line this year. That's my hot take on the Cavs, but something to keep an eye on. Put it, um, yeah, put your house on it. He, yeah. yeah, I think he might start shooting a bit more. He kind of knows he has to because Mobley is terrifying what he can do. He just start like, he, he already is just erasing people on defense. You take the ball near him and, like you're not getting you're not scoring right? yeah it's good um all right moving on we've spent a bit of time on the team as bad as the Cavs, but um yes my apologies magic i'll take the magic number 14 um they were terrible offensive and defensively last year but i do like them drafting Suggs and wagner um i think that would be great for them you know no one expects anything from the magic this year i think they're going to really you know be pretty mid but they have nine players under 24 and each of those nine players were all first round picks and i think it was like seven of them were within the lottery so it's not bad they've got good core there um lots of young talent chuma okiki needs a lot more respect on his name he has heaps of um defensive potential and i'm just more than happy that steve clifford's gone from that team because i hate him but um yeah, I, I think the uh, old, old man. Legit, the grass is green on the other side for the Magic, but um, yeah, it's just not their time right now. But um, 
shout out to the Magic fans out there. Um, I've got one of them, Joel. But um, yeah, give it some time and Big maybe we'll see if the play in. <laughs> Be back to the playoffs in no time, I'm sure. Uh, with the Magic, I think, um, as Chris said, moving off Steve Clifford and getting in Jamal Mosley is a great get for them. Um, I think he's going to be really good for their culture. And from what I've seen, like, they all love playing with each other. And, like, for a team that sucks, they're enjoying playing basketball, which is good and something that's actually pretty hard to do. Um, Mo Bamba has been erasing everything within 10 feet of him in the preseason. Um, we'll see if we can keep it up in the offseason. But I think the deal that Wendell Carter got, I think it was like five years, 50 mil, something around that. That's really friendly for a guy with as much potential as him. Um, and at the same time, like if he doesn't turn out to be anything, it's not killing you. So I think that was a, a step in a positive direction for them. But obviously this year they're going to suck. Yeah, I think they're going to be like pretty hard to beat. This year, like they're gonna, I think they're gonna play hard every night. You look at guys they got like Dari Harris is just um, like a really good on ball defender. Cole Anthony is he's pesky as well. He's a much better defender than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, his offense sort of hasn't translated as well as he would have liked, but um, he's good. RJ Hampton's preseason has looked really good. I'm really excited to see if he can develop because he's. Played in the NBL, so been following him for a while. Um, and he definitely looks like he's got a lot more freedom about him now. So it'll be good to see if he can do anything. I think they just have a lot of guys who are going to play hard. Um, I'm not sure what the go with Fultz is, if he's back yet. I think still a little while away. I don't think yeah. he's back um, start of the year, but yeah. Yeah, I do think that my sort of big worry is that like their best player is probably Isaac um, or maybe Terrence Ross. But I think... Terrence Ross will get traded for sure um, because there's no point in having a guy on the roster who might help you in when winning is the last thing your team needs yeah. to do. Um, and then Isaac, uh, it's just always hard coming back from a serious knee injury. And so I really, really like him, but I feel like people always say it's the second year back um, from a serious injury that you're back to yourself. So he'll be good this year, but I don't think he'll be that good. Um I don't know. I, Wendell Carter's deal is good, but I don't think he's improved much since he got into the league. So, big chance. He's got the like opportunity now in Orlando. Um, and if Bamba can be something good, then that will help them massively. But yeah, I think the Magic are destined for um, the high end of the lottery this season. I think they're um, starting Carter and Bamba together, which will be interesting um, to mm. see how Carter goes playing the four. Um, I think he can shoot a little bit, but that's definitely going to improve if they want to play him. And especially if Isaac's going to play, that's like three pretty average shooters. But then again, half their roster sucks. So I don't know what I would do. Yeah, there's a lot of guards in the roster as well. I feel like Carter's got like the, um, he's definitely got the room to sort of grow with the magic. And like he wasn't polarizing when he got came over from Chicago um, towards the end of last year. But yeah, I do feel like he has a lot of good basketball left in him and <clears throat> the magic would be a good role for him to sort of spread his wings. Uh, so I think I'm last. Um, we'll go with the Pistons. I haven't got heaps to say. God, All I wouldn't would've... even take him last, mate. Yeah, no, I would actually rather trade the pick <laughs> for cash considerations. But um, anyway, with the Pistons, um, obviously getting Cade is good. I'm not as high on him as others. I think he'll... He'll be good, but I don't think he's going to be a superstar. Um, 
But who I do really like, I like Sadiq Bay. He's a knockdown shooter. He'll be a very good 3 and D guy for a, a long time. And Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart, he's a beast. He is like, he's yeah. like the second coming of Rob Williams. And you know how much we love Rob Williams. Um, a shorter center that just eats boards and eats anyone who comes in his paint, which is something that we like. And um, I think Ben Wallace has come on board for the Pistons this year. So so hopefully he can teach um, Isaiah Stewart a thing or two and get the Pistons back to playing some sort of type of tough basketball. Um, also, I think Rodney Magruder is their starting too. And as a Heat fan, all I can say is good luck. Yeah. Um, I actually like the Pistons um, in sort of ways that like obviously – not in winning ways, but I like the direction they're going with Bay and Stewart. They only allowed 104.8 points per 100 possessions when Bay and Stewart were both on the court, which is which is pretty good for um, a team that bad. Um, and also, I've got a soft spot for Killian Hayes because I took him to be a three-time MVP in my league in 2K21. But um, he he is not great, and you know it's it's not it's not too it's not too late to give up on him. Of course, he's only a second-year player. But um, he's got a lot more defensive potential than people think. He um, he just he just struggles to score. He only managed to get um zero point five eight points per possession as a pick and roll ball handler, and he's um forty percent field goal percentage in the paint. So if he can sort of sort out his scoring ability and sort of find a way that he can play well next to K, because I'm pretty sure they're going to have Hayes running the ball with K playing off ball. And you know I wouldn't be surprised if they sort of start switching that up a bit if Hayes keeps struggling as a pick and roll ball handler. But, um, yeah, look, it's far from the Pistons' time, but um, I do like some of the pieces they have. I think losing Plunk Dog Millionaire definitely hurts them a little bit, but, you know, you can't really hurt a team that's that shit, so there they are. <laughs> yeah, I think the Pistons going to be terrible this year. Um, like the guy last year who had the most win shares for them was the Plum Dog, um, which is just amazing considering he he's not that bad, but he... Um, should not be having the highest win shares on yeah. any team in the NBA in the history of the league. And they <laughs> lost him. So uh, I think it's going to be a brutal year for them. I Like Nug was saying, I love Stewie um, and what he can do. But uh, yeah, I'm, I think Killian, it's a big year for him. He sort of came, like he was playing so bad last year that he they stopped playing him pretty much. Um, and in summer league, he still was really struggling to score the ball. Yeah. Like, like five for twenty-five in one of the games or something. Yeah, and summer leagues where you should be yeah. um, looking like a lottery pick, like he was. So definitely, it's gonna be a rough year for the Pistons. Pistons, I think. Like I said with OKC, I think I reckon the Pistons will be worse than OKC this year. I reckon the Pistons won't win ten games. It's gonna be a long, long year for the Pistons. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's. Some green shoots there. If Cade can turn out to be the player everyone's projecting him to be, but um, it's going to be a tough year. Yeah. All right. So I think that basically wraps up the Eastern Conference standings that we've predicted for this season coming up. Um, yeah, don't shoot us if we're wrong. We're just trying our best here. Um, yeah, so NBA obviously tips off in a couple of days. So we've decided to throw together our little um, let it ride thing. If those of you listening from home don't know what let it ride is, um, pretty much what we're doing is we'll just put a little bit of money in to a betting account and we'll chuck it on like one thing a week. We're going to 
um, discuss on here what that thing will be. You're liable to follow us if you want to win money. If you don't, sorry, um, it's your loss. But, um, yeah, so kicking it off this week, we're going to be getting on James Harden to have A-plus assists against Milwaukee. Um, we think he's primed to even go over the overs of 9.5. But, yeah, $1.36 odds. Put a little bit of money on that, so I build it up. It's uh, worth your while. It's basically it's been my majority of my New Zealand savings. So, yeah, good luck to you. Yeah, so hopefully with the let it ride, we, by the end of the season, like we're not cashing out until the season is done. So hopefully we've got hundreds of thousands in there and um, <laughs> you guys have to and you can have us to thank. But if you lose, like we said, not our fault. Yeah. Yeah, if we lose, it's your fault for putting the bet on. Yeah, you should have listened to And another thing we're going to do as a weekly segment, I don't know, I don't think we're not picking anyone today, are we? Someone next week, yeah, because I haven't really started. looked at it, but um, yeah, what we're gonna do is an eliminator challenge. So, basically, every week we're gonna pick one match, um, each it can be whatever match we want, and you pick one team to win that match. Um, and once you pick that team, you can't pick that team again. So, we're gonna do that on the pods, which we'll be recording on Mondays in Australian time. Um, because we've got. We know how many listeners we've got in the States, so just make sure we make that clear. Um, and, yeah, we'll pick one team every week. And once you've picked that team, you can't pick them again. And we'll see if anyone can get to the end of the season, which I think would be amazing to do because the NBA is so such oh, an yeah. upset heavy league because if one team gets hot from three, that's even if the Pistons get hot from three, they might win again this season. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what we're doing. A bit of a longer pod tonight, wasn't it? Yeah, if you listen to me talk about the Cavs for 10 minutes, then I applaud you. <laughs> Dedicated fan. Yeah. I'm sure our best mate, TJ Warren, was listening to every word of that. No comment. Yeah, he's going to call <laughs> us out on Twitter. Give us a call out, TJ. Mark us on a burner account, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> TJ Warren sucks. Nothing better to do. K-Day was probably listening, so I love you, K-Day. Yeah, big fan. Okay, so that wraps up the third episode of the 3 and D podcast. Cheers for listening in. Um, we'll see you end of, uh, start next week once a bit of NBA has gotten underway. Thanks, guys. Love you.